And welcome to this next episode of my Tough Love Energy podcast, the podcast that will always give you that much needed kick up the bum, where you'll always hear what you need to hear, but not always what you want. I'm Nia Venice, transformation coach, and you're very welcome to my Tough Love Energy podcast. So today we're going to look at the area of people pleasing. And you might be asking me, why are you so obsessed with the subject of people pleasing? Well, let me answer you this way. People pleasing or acknowledging that we are people pleasers is the very best way to demonstrate why it is that we don't go after what we want. What's stopping us? What's stopping us from changing or transforming? Because very often we don't even know who we are. We don't even know what we want. We don't even know what we like because we've spent so long putting other people's needs first. I really believe that this is something that we can all resonate with and that we can all relate to it. And that's why I like to talk about it so much, especially in the context of reconnecting with ourselves. So today I'm going to start by looking at the four different types of people pleasers they are and ask you, which one do you see yourself in? And a little warning, you might notice that you fit into more than one. I know I did. I, there were two that stood out for me. So just before we do that, can I just remind you that a people pleaser, the definition of a people pleaser, is someone who constantly does everything that they can just to make other people happy. They'll often go so far out of their way to please somebody, even if it means for them having to make big personal sacrifices and using up their own time and their own resources. They'll always put other people's needs ahead of their own. Now, look, you know, let's not pretend that we don't all know how it feels to want people to like us, to accept us. There's nothing unnatural or unusual about that. We've all felt at times in our lives that urge for the approval from others. As I said, it is natural and there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be there for others and offering them real help and genuine support. But the issue here, and it's why the, this problem, and I am deliberately using the word problem of people pleasing emerges, is because when we are people pleasers, when we engage in that activity, we find that we lose ourselves in the process of doing it. We become so focused on being there for other people, doing what they want and need, that we completely lose touch with what it is that we want or need. And that's the real sign or the official sign that we've definitely moved entirely into that people-pleasing mode. So from the work that I've been doing over the last couple of years with people and from just even from talking within my own friendship groups and my own networks, I've started to realize that actually people-pleasing can be broken down into four categories. Now, in some ways, it is kind of oversimplifying it. But where I find this is really useful is that for a lot of people, we can kind of think, yeah, there's parts of me that's people-pleasing, but I know there are parts of me that aren't. Um, or, you know, some people might even think, no, I'm definitely not a people-pleaser. That's so against who I am and, and everything that I am. But actually, this way just allows us to be able to see where we feel we might fall into it. So the first kind of people-pleaser is what I call the OG, the original. 
Now, we all know them. We've all been them. And as I said, they're the original people pleasers. They're the group that are just so damned nice and who are constantly tripping over themselves, trying to do everything they can to keep everybody else happy. They're the ones who constantly, do you recognize this, send messages into the group app so as not to leave anyone out. They also possibly might spend hours inputting everyone's birthday into their phone. And I will add to that, some even do it two days early so that they can send the card in advance. I'm talking about myself there. Their main purpose in life, the main purpose of the OG is to ensure that everyone else is happy. That's their primary motivation. So does that ring any bells? Does that resonate with you? The second type is the smoothie. The one that you want around when rows are breaking out, the one that just wants everyone to get along, that they're always trying to smooth over any disagreements. If you're happy, they're happy. In a bid for them, and, and this bit is important because it's their attempt to feel safe and secure within their own relationships. That means that they work harder at making sure that everyone around them is getting along harmoniously and is feeling good. So it's very much linked to that need by them to feel safe and secure. So that's the smoothie. The third category are the great pretenders, also known as the deniers. They come across as tough and confident and have it all together. They're above it all. They appear to have little interest in any definitions of a people pleaser, often pretending rabbit ears, uh, apostrophes at the beginning of pretending an end, to not even know what people pleasing mean. However, they might in fact be avoiding having to confront the reality. They have this unique way of staying safe and that's important to them. But that uniqueness, that, um, that, that way that sets them apart from other people of feeling safe and of leading, because remember, these are the strong, confident group that their way of leading, they believe, is the best way to avoid having to even confront the issue of people pleasing. Apathy is their defence. Oh, I could be bothered in that. Oh, don't be talking to me about people pleasing. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I've far too much to do. I'm too important. It's above me. You know, I've heard those people. I, I work with those people. So do you fall into that category of the great pretender? And then the final part, the final category are what I call the support act. These are the group of people that dim their light so that somebody else can shine. They see their supportive function as being a deeply bonding exercise and they stand, always stand behind the center of attention, making sure that they have everything they need. The person in front of them has everything that they need to maintain their place under the spotlight. They're the brilliant right hand woman. They're the brilliant number two. They're the person you want in your corner. They're the perfect personal assistant because they take the role so very seriously, just so that they can ensure that they prove themselves indispensable. So that's the support act. Now, which of those did you fit into? As I said, I fit into two. I have no problem saying that I definitely fit into the OG category. Um, I would have been somebody that, that you know, 
at a certain point, a certain time in my life, that um, my ultimate aim in life was to make sure that everyone else was happy. And so I would do everything, prepare in every way I could to ensure that that happened. I also can see that there was a time in my life where I fell into the, the Support Act role, where I know that I dimmed my own light to make somebody else shine, where I know that I actually um, stood behind somebody else or stood in somebody else's shadow because I felt that if I constantly delivered for them, that I would be indisposable to them. So when I was doing that, and, and I'm only using myself as the best way to kind of demonstrate these examples, but also, I suppose, even just to, to share, to show that people pleasing aspect was a very big part of my life for a, a long period of time. And at that stage, I was outsourcing my sense of self to others' opinions of me. I was chasing their approval. I was looking for their acceptance. I was, you know, trying so hard to belong purely to try and increase my own feelings of self-worth. I wanted to feel needed. I wanted to feel worthy of love. I wanted to do everything I could to avoid being abandoned, being unloved, being unwanted. So I dimmed my light so that others would shine. And I, you know, as I said, I became the best support act out there and, and was almost available to, to anyone for hire just so that it would make me feel important and would make me feel needed. And again, you know, I think it's important to say I don't think I'm alone in that. But here's the difficult part about this was that eventually, eventually I reached the point where I was simply exhausted. I was burnt out and I was more than a little miserable and probably and a phrase I've used before is that I was broken. I spent years looking after everyone else. And yet here I was in my 40s and I still did not feel at all looked after. Now, in a lot of cases, not all, but in a lot of cases, it can take a life changing event to fully wake us up, to fully shake us up. And for me, that came in a series of very close bereavements in quick succession that I experienced some time ago. And it was after that that I really started to look at everything and everyone in my life totally differently. It was then really that I started to ask questions of myself that I hadn't asked for years. What did I like? Who did I like being with? What did I need to make me happy? What did I even want from my life? Now, the answers were, of course, surprising to me. But what was more surprising was the fact that they were so far removed from what I was actually doing daily with and in my life. I'd strayed so far off course, but I hadn't even noticed it. And it was then that I started to realize that where I was happiest was wherever I was able to be totally and utterly myself. Now, I know that that might seem obvious and I know it might seem a little bit, oh God, did it really take you that long to realize that? But when you are so disconnected, when you are so caught up in that people pleasing way of life, you get so far removed from being able to be yourself because you're led by other people's opinions you're led by other people's approval and so that can really distort that for you most people pleasers are like how I was in that situation they're desperate for validation they're desperate for appreciation but here is the bigger issue relying on validation from others means that your confidence and your self-worth are purely based on external factors and the very best way in fact the only way to fight people pleasing is to build up what makes you feel good in your life. If you feel good in and of yourself, 
You don't need others to make you feel good. So where are we going to start then in terms of our recovery from the disease to please? That's not my description. That's Oprah's description, in fact, I think. For me, the starting point is to get clarity on exactly what it is that you want from your life. Do activities that make you feel good. Spend time only with the people who make you feel great about yourself without having to do anything for them. Remember that bit? Without having to do anything for them. I can't state this enough, but people pleasers should never, ever answer requests to do something to be somewhere immediately. They should always default in buying time, possibly by using the magic phrase of, can I get back to you on that? Or let me get back to you. Like there are so many different examples about this, but say somebody at work asks you to help out and you say, yeah, okay, despite the fact that you might be snowed under yourself and then you immediately regret it. Has that ever happened to you? Then what happens next is that you start to feel angry, both at them for asking and you for saying yes. And it's when that resentment kicks in that, you know, you're in real people pleasing trouble territory. So what can you do there? You can say, you can say, look, you know, I have to check the diary. I have to check my own task list. Just do whatever you need to do to buy yourself some time. Then you'll have the space to think about it and you can respond with a polite but firm no. So that's really important in terms of getting to that place where you are so in tune with what it is that you want who it is that you want to show up as, that you actually then start buying yourself time, start creating space rather than defaulting into that usual habit of saying, oh, yes, I'm available. Oh, yes, I'll help with that. Or yes, I'll do that. People don't love you because you're available. People don't love you because you do something for them. People don't love you just because of what you can do or give to them. People love you for who you are. Now, when we acknowledge and accept that we are people pleasers or that we can, we really attach ourselves to those people pleasing habits, when we start genuinely trying to change our ways, we're also in fact recognizing our need for creating better boundaries. So the solution, once you accept and acknowledge and observe your people pleasing ways, the next step, the practical step, the way to resolve that issue for yourself is to create better boundaries. Now, the topic of better boundaries and building better boundaries or creating better boundaries is a topic that I plan on covering in much greater detail in a future podcast because it's a huge area. But for now, now that you've probably gone through the four categories and that's going to be part of your homework as part of the tough love energy that I want you to get from today's podcast. The first thing to do is find which type you are. Go through each of them and be honest in your answers. Be honest with yourself and just see, yes, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm part smoothie or I'm part uh, support act. Just see which one you belong to. Then I would ask you to observe your behaviours. Once you have a sense of what type of people pleaser you are, see how that plays out in your everyday life. The second thing I really want to to reiterate, and, and I feel it's important, is to be really, really honest with the answers that you're giving yourself so that you can see that your actions are not serving you well. Because that's what 
people pleasing does for us. It means that that we are caught up in a stream or a flow of behaviours that is not serving us. And that's where the resentment kicks in. And that's where we find ourselves at events and occasions and parties and dinners and lunches and family get togethers that we don't want to be at. Or that's where we find ourselves surrounded by people that just don't get us. Or that's where we find ourselves, even in family situations where we're being picked on and criticized or talked down to. Or the same at work, that we can find ourselves, you know, in a in a work environment, in a work situation where we're not being heard, where our ideas are not being received, where our opinion, our voice doesn't matter. It's really important that you're honest with yourself so that you can see how these actions of people pleasing are not serving you well. That bit is so hard. And I really do get that because I think that was the bit where I struggled with most when I started doing the work on my people pleasing over 10 years ago. I really found that bit hard that I defaulted to the answer I thought I should give rather than the answer that I actually knew was true for me. And then these are some journaling prompts that I want you to do over the next couple of weeks. I want you to ask yourself and allow the answer to come. What do I want? How do I want to show up? What do I like? Who do I like? Where am I giving my power away? Whose company leaves me feeling depleted? Whose company makes me feel bad about myself? Then sit with the answers and process them. Just let them land. When you've given yourself a few days just to let the answers percolate, as it were, then I want you to sit down and list ways and list things that you can do that will start start helping you reduce your people-pleasing ways because it's not going to happen overnight. But if you observe it, you're aware of it, and then you start to put small steps in place that will help you reduce the overwhelm of people pleasing, then you're on your way. So final little thing to say is to remember that not all the traits of a people pleaser are bad because many of them actually make us who we are. So say, for example, in the first one, the OGs, when I mentioned the person that, you know, has all the birthdays and anniversaries and special dates for other people in their phone. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I'm not just saying that because it's something that I do. But I think it is a lovely trait to care about other people's special occasions. And as long as you know that your intention for doing that, you're not sending somebody a birthday card and my God help them if they don't send one back. But if you can say and feel in your heart of hearts that you're doing this with the best of intentions and for all the right reasons, then I would say, please keep that trait because it it makes you, as I say, not just who you are, but it also makes you quite a special person. So look at which traits you want to leave behind, which ones you want to release and let go of, and which ones you want to bring forward, and then just make those slight amendments. Okay, so as always, I love to hear from you. I was so delighted to get such engagement with you after the the last podcast. So genuinely do feel free to email me on neve at neveennis.com with any comments or questions that you might have about any of this. Now, good luck with your recovery from your disease to please. But just know, be patient, take your time with it. These are probably habits and patterns and ways that you have developed in your life So they may span 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. They're not going to disappear overnight. So just be gentle with yourself. Good luck with it all. And I will talk to you at our next podcast. Much love from Neve.